So, Father, we thank you. Let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my rock, my strength, my fortress, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. We love you. We appreciate you. I want to encourage you. A lot of times people really don't understand the, the fight of a father. The fight of a father is that we've been chosen to lead. <laughs> we've been chosen to be the protectors, to be the providers of our family. But yet there are moments where we're tested with our back driven against the wall. We're forced to sometimes hide our tears, facing the grit of the day-to-day -day grind. We're sometimes forced to do things that just doesn't seem normal because we're fathers and we're expected to hold up everything. We're, we're expected to never fail. We're expected to always win. But can I tell you this here? None of that really matters if you don't have the love of the Lord in your heart. <laughs> we're forced to work overtime and retire and have beautiful 401ks and be able to buy our children cars and our wives, our wife, not wives, you know, your, your wife. I need to say that. And if you're single, you know, you're, you're probably dating, but I just wanted to connect that, you know, correct that real quick. Uh, but, but we were forced to do so many things that sometimes we, we begin to build our lives off of the material things, not understanding that where there is no love in my heart for God, my life seems empty. So I want to just encourage fathers today, be the leader, be the protector, the priest of your house, the provider. But whatever you do, don't forget to establish and to set the standard that Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Without the love of the Lord being in your heart, life can be empty life is voidless without the love of the Lord so take some time today fathers and just simply say whether you're out barbecuing whether you're out at the restaurant kicking your feet up relaxing I just want you to just lift your hands and just say Lord I love you and thank you for allowing me to be a father to my generations although the days may get tough Though the days may be weary and long, thank you for giving me the chance to be a father. Not just a dad, not just my old man, but a father. A father who sees, a father who cares, a father who listens, and a father who never abandons those that he loves the most. Happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. I love you so much. Happy Father's Day to our founding father. He turned 80 years old on Thursday. Last week, we're celebrating you. 
Happy birthday to my uncle Maurice. Today is his birthday. Happy Father's Day. We love you, but most of all to our founding father. Dad, we love you, man. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything that you've done for us and that you continue to do for your church. <laughs> He's Pastor Emeritus Freddie James Graves, Sr. We love you, founding father. Thank you. Let us just go right to the, the book of Acts, chapter number four. Thank you, worship ministry. I'm so proud of you guys. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. We can't stop now. I want you to look in the book of Acts, chapter number four. Chapter number four. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captains of the guard and the Sadducees came up to them. Verse number two says, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I want you to hear that again. As they were speaking to the people, the priest, the captains of the guard, and the Sadducees came up to them. In verse number two, being greatly disturbed, they were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. We can see here that Peter and John, they move from the, the gate called Beautiful where they speak and they pray and they empower the lame man who wasn't able to walk. He's now walking. And now they're moving forward and they begin to preach to the people. <laughs> they begin to preach to the people and the priests, the leaders of the church. Come on now. The, these were leaders of the church. They were leaders in Jerusalem. They, they were leading. And, and, and they came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. We can't stop now. Why? Because momentum is fueled by a series of wins. You guys have heard me talk about this. Winning matters in the kingdom of God. From the time they were filled, were filled, were all filled together in the upper room, they started winning souls to the kingdom. Momentum is fueled by a series of wins. Winning matters in the kingdom of God. I want you to say that. Winning matters in the kingdom of God. Come on, say that. Come on, say it aloud. Winning matters in the kingdom of God. I want you to say that again. Winning matters in the kingdom of God. We can see here that the apostles have a fueled place of momentum that has been fueled by a series of wins. The first win is when they went back to Jerusalem and they waited. The second win is when they were empowered in the upper room and filled at one time with the power of the Holy Ghost. The third time they win is when Peter stands and he begins to unlock the confusion of them being said that they were drunk. Uh, they went again by Peter preaching uh, to a point uh, to where they were now baptized. Uh, then they went again.
Because now we see that the lame man who sat at the gate called Beautiful is now healed. He now walks into the temple with Peter and John, and they were amazed. They continue to win. Every time a move of God occurs, a series of wins happens for us. In your life, every time God accomplishes something in your life, you gain momentum. And that momentum is fueled by a series of wins that have already taken place in your life. I I didn't really plan here to, I didn't really stand here today to plan to talk about this. But when we can look at the Golden State Warriors, Because they had already learned how to win. They learned how to overcome. They learned how to endure because they had already been successful in winning not just one championship, two, but three. They were successful in winning another one. Why? Because they learned how to overcome the obstacles that come to try you at the most difficult moments in your life. Peter and John are seen here preaching to the people. This takes place in such a way that that they are confronted by the leaders of the church. What do you do in moments when you're confronted by those who are supposed to be supporting you, but they're against you? What do you do when you're in a moment in your life with fuel momentum and you're winning, you're on a cloud, you're on cloud nine, you're you're soaring, and those that are supposed to be walking with you, those that are supposed to be soaring with you are in the crowd trying to pull you down. They're trying to to accuse you and they're trying to do so many other things to you to stop you from doing what? The word of God says that they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people, not teaching them. They were teaching the people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do when I'm confronted by those who are unwilling to see me continue to move with the momentum that God is giving me. You stand your ground, number one, by not giving into the threats and the confrontation of those who oppose you. They were there to oppose them. When we look at the scripture here, um, what do you do? You stand your ground by not giving into the threats and the confrontation of those who oppose you. Can I be honest? Fuel momentum not only brings celebration, but it will bring your persecutors, your opposers, your haters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, You're not only going to have a parade that celebrates you, but you're going to have doubters. You're going to have persecutors. You're going to have those who will fight against seeing a move of God continue to happen. We can see here in the book of Acts, uh, they're trying to stop a move. Peter and the apostles, they continue to preach the word of God. And they preach that word of God by standing their ground, by not giving into the threats and the confrontation of their opposers. 
Your opposers, your haters, your persecutors, they're there to slow you down. They're there to impede your progress. We must understand that in every phase of your life, that, that the enemy, your opposers, your flesh, the flesh of your mind, uh, uh, the, 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 the thoughts that may come into your mind to have you turn and to do something that will cause you to lose momentum, the opposers. Anything that opposes the move of God is a persecutor. Anything that opposes you doing what is right is an enemy of God and an enemy of you. We can see this in verses 4, uh, in, in chapter number 4, verses 1 through 3. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains and the temple guard and the Sadducees, they became disturbed because they were preaching. I like this, what verse 3 says, and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day. They were so angry, they were so bitter, they were so messed up that they decided the only way that we can stop them is to arrest them, to put them in jail. So number one, the first thing that I have to understand that I cannot give into the threats and the confrontation of those who appoint, who, of those who are opposing me. You stand your ground, number two, remembering that you have an audience that is listening. <laughs> Peter and the apostles, they did not stand on a corner with the bullhorn just preaching to an empty place. They had people that were awaiting on them. They had people who were listening. And the Sadducees, the priests, the captains of the guard became very angry. They were agitated at the fact that not only was it a crowd, but verse number four says, but many of those who had heard this message believed. Come on now. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. I can deal with five. I can deal with 10. I, I can probably deal with 50, maybe 150, but not 5,000. Because now you have the number coming up to 5,000. That means that nobody's paying attention to you. That means that nobody's in the temple now. That, that means that everybody's attention has been drawn to a move of God that has been fueled by a series of winds. Come on now. The Holy Ghost has been winning from the moment he empowered them in the upper room and they begin to win. They begin to win the attention of the people. You stand your ground, number one, by not giving in to the threats or confrontation of those who are opposing you. Number two, remember you have an audience that is listening. I want you to hear this. Stay focused. We must stay focused on preaching to the multitude that is before us. Whatever you do, don't give in to the attention to those who are against you. Just preach. Come on now. You, you've got to be able to continue to move under the sign and the movement that gives you forward momentum. The forward momentum says that you've got an audience got to be able to preach to those. You've got to be able to, to, to live your life in such a way that you don't give attention to those who are against you. 
A lot of times we turn around and we start preaching to those who are coming against us and preaching and trying to debate and trying to defend. We can see here in the scripture that they weren't debating. Uh, uh, they, 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 they weren't in an argument. Their focus was on one thing. We've got to give them Jesus and we've got to give them the message of Jesus. We've been empowered by the Holy Ghost to preach the message of a resurrection. Come on now, uh, of a Jesus that has been resurrected from the dead. And we want to tell the story. We want to testify. And so we cannot give our attention to the captains of the guard. Come on now. We can't give our attention to the proclaiming of the priest. Uh, we cannot give our attention uh, to the learned Sadducees who are upset because we're preaching to the people that they should have been preaching to. Come on now. You cannot not get upset that you have an audience that wants to hear what you have to say, whether it's five, whether it's 10, come on now, whether it's 5,000, when God places you with fuel momentum, when God gives you, let me correct that, fuel momentum, he wants you to be able to stand your ground by not giving into the threats. And the confrontation of those who oppose you. We've got to be able to stand our ground and remember that we have an audience that is listening. Number three, we stand our ground and they stood their ground by not allowing. And it says here, don't abort the process of being brought before your accusers. You got to stand your ground in such a way that you don't run. That you don't turn around and cancel what God has called you to do. That, that you are not afraid. Don't abort the process, Rock Church, of being brought before your accusers. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ never comes without suffering and persecution. Come on, when you see this, it, it never comes without suffering or persecution. What did they suffer? They put them in jail. They begin to accuse them of teaching uh, something that was wrong, something that was evil. Uh, although they knew that they could not prove that it was wrong, uh, they begin to accuse them of teaching to their people, and they put them in jail. They didn't put them in jail to bring them up on trial. They put them in jail to stop their forward momentum. If we can put them in jail, maybe the crowds will dissipate. Maybe the crowds will leave. Uh, maybe the crowds will become bitter and angry and, and, and they'll turn against them. But when the moving of the Holy Ghost is taking place in a season where God wants to change lives, he'll keep the momentum of the audience around the jail and they won't leave. Come on now. Uh, when you get out, they'll still be there. Come on now. Uh, uh, when, when you stand on trial, they'll still be there waiting to hear the preached and proclaimed message of Jesus Christ. Verses 5 and 7 says here, On the next day, the rulers and the elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there, Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. 
when they had placed them in the center, they begin to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? See, your accusers are always interested in what authority do you have? What power do you have? Uh, can, you, can you release and can you give us the intel of the influence that, that, is you, that you're using to operate in such a way? They, 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 they weren't angry so much that they were teaching. They, they were trying to figure out where did you get this power from to hold the attention of 5,000 people? Uh, where are you getting the power to heal a man that has been sitting at the gate called beautiful all of his life and now? we hear and we see and the people are amazed and people are bragging and they're talking about it. Uh, where do you get this power from that 3,000 people were saved because you preached the message of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Oh, come on now. The man that we put on the cross, uh, uh, the man that we caused to die, you're now preaching about him and people are responding where did you get this authority from your opposers are always going to be jealous of the influence that you walk in your opposers are always going to be jealous about those who you're winning to Christ and, and they're always going to say oh well you know that's just not going to work and, and I remember you know when they would say a church that blew up and that church would blow up oh it's just not going to last because it grew too fast no 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 you got to understand that, that that church has been fueled with a series of winds and as long as the Holy Ghost is resting upon that house and the messenger that is preaching the gospel, they're going to win. Come on now. They're going to win. And we can see this here in Acts number four. The power of the Lord was so strong in their life that it brought them to a place that they had to deal with being arrested. Number one, don't give in to the threats. Don't give attention to those who are opposing you. Number two. We've got to be able to do what? We've got to remember that you have an audience. This audience wants to hear about the risen Savior called Jesus. Come on now. Uh, and don't abort the process of being brought before your accusers. Stand there in the moment when you're on trial, when they're talking about you, when they're coming against you. And don't debate. Don't give them an opinion. Just simply say, I'm under the power of Jesus Christ. I'm under the power of the Holy Ghost. I've been authorized to preach the message of Jesus. Come on now. Uh, him crucified, buried, and risen. I, I'm authorized to preach the message to those who want to believe. I, I'm authorized to preach a message that is going to change the course of those who ever doubted that he died on a cross and he rose in three days and he rebuilt the temple as he said. I've been authorized by the same man that you put in the grave what do you do when you're in a moment and you're being mocked you're being criticized you're being teased you're 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 you're, you're, you're being accused falsely accused you stand your ground number four you stand your ground how when given the opportunity speak the truth 
Every time you stand before those and God gives you an opportunity, whether it may be in the lunchroom on your job, whether it may be in your car on the phone and you're talking to somebody, when God gives you an opportunity to speak about his death, his resurrection, come on now, when God gives you the ability to speak belief into somebody who's doubting that God can heal their body, that God can save their life, that God can repair their finances, that God can and repair their marriage you speak the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ preaching the truth always gives us the greatest advantage in winning people to Christ preaching the gospel requires that we proclaim the truth so that we may avoid hear this so that we may avoid the pitfalls of preaching a gospel that yields no conviction in the lives of those that we're preaching to I want to say that again uh, when given the opportunity speak the truth Peter, John, the apostles, they could have folded, they could have packed their bags, and they could have taken off once they heard that they were being accused of preaching something that would have landed them in jail, but they understood we have an opportunity to speak the truth. Here it is, preaching the truth always gives us the greatest advantage in winning people. Preaching the gospel requires that we proclaim the truth so that we can avoid the pitfalls of preaching a gospel that yields no conviction in the lives of those that we're preaching. If preaching stops people from coming to church because they don't like what you're preaching, they don't want to hear it, they begin to talk about you, they throw you in jail, they walk away, then you got to understand that that preaching is convicting them. But if preaching causes people to still stay in sin, if preaching causes people to still live a life that is unpleasing to God that I've got a question that we're preaching a word that has no conviction come on now it has no power to change it has no power to feel or to baptize them with the leading of the Holy Ghost real preaching will convict it convicted who it convicted the Sadducees. Come on now. Uh, this preaching convicted the captains of the guards. Come on now. It convicted the priests so much that they disliked it. Come on now. We got to turn this off. Preaching not only convicts the unbeliever, but it convicts those who used to believe. It convicts those who are sitting there that think that they know, but you really don't know because you haven't changed your mind. Uh, the priest, the captain of the guard, and the Sadducees they never switched their mindset they remained the same way that they were before Jesus died and we can see after Jesus died they still have an issue with Jesus come on now you stand your ground by not giving into the threats 
Come on now, you, you stand your ground by understanding that you have an audience that is listening. Come on now, you stand your ground by not aborting the process of being confronted by your accusers and you stand your ground by when you have been given the opportunity, I'm going to tell the truth. Come on now, no matter how you feel about me, uh, sometimes the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is not preached in a pretty way. It has to cut you. It has to do surgery on you so that you can become well. It's got to go in and it's got to dig. It's got to pull. It's got to clot so that it can pull out the infection so that your life can feel better. Come on now. When you're sick and you're getting well, the process of getting well doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always go the right way. But when you understand that God is working on the sickness, he's working on the issue he he's working on the infections it's going to hurt a little bit it's not going to feel good it's going to cause you to want to turn around and not take the medicine. It's, wanna, it's going to cause you to not turn around and not go through the therapy of the pain of healing that muscle, healing the issue. Come on now. Preaching heals the soul. But before it heals the soul, it must convict the soul. It must cut the soul. It must cut through the issues that have become callous. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 8 through 12 said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by this, by his name, this man stands before you in good health. Are you hearing what they're saying? Uh, they're telling the truth. Uh, uh, they're not afraid to be accused. Uh, they're, they're, they're responding to their accusers in truth. Come on now. He is the stone which was rejected by you. The builder's but which became the chief cornerstone. Come on now. Uh, verse number 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under the heaven that has been given among men which we must be saved. Are you hearing what the apostles are saying? Are, are you hearing how they stood? They didn't give in to the threat. They didn't lose the attention of their audience. If anything, they gained more attention because they said, uh, all we did is heal a man and cause him to live life. And you've got a problem with that. But don't blame it on me. Uh, it's the problem that you killed a man. And now we're preaching about his greatness. And the greatness of Jesus Christ healed the man. Uh, the greatness of Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus Christ caused them to stand up it caused his ankles to be strong caused his legs to be strong I'm only preaching about something that I've been empowered to preach about come on now when given the opportunity speak truth don't succumb number five don't succumb to or give way to their threats come on now I stand my ground by understanding that I'm going to be threatened 
Some people are going to walk away. Some people are going to pull you in the back office. Some people are going to call you holier than thou. Some, some people are going to call you Jesus only. So, some people are not going to want to invite you to the party anymore. They're not going to want to invite you to the dinner anymore. They're not going to want to put you on the three-way call anymore because you don't gossip anymore. You don't backbite anymore. You're not going to stab your friend in the back. Uh, uh, you're not going to sit there at the table and do things that you should not do because you you understand that God has given you an audience that he wants you to win to Christ. Come on now. Preaching and proclaiming the gospel never comes without a cost. It's the price of losing your life. Having your reputation defamed, being falsely accused, preaching the gospel is never free of persecution. Can, can I tell you, uh, the church has to return to a place where we're persecuted for preaching Jesus and not persecuted uh, for all of the other stuff that doesn't matter. How can you be persecuted and you start, you, you, you get more likes than you get dislikes. Come on now, uh, preaching that causes your numbers to fall off. Preaching that causes people to come and sit in front of your house and protest and protest that you're preaching a word that is not of God. Preaching that causes you to live in a place where you got to have people with you at all times because you never know when you're going to lose your life. Preaching that causes the church to be in a place where we got to pray. Because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, preaching the persecution of the gospel is never free of persecution. It's never free of your, of your reputation being defamed, of your name being talked about. You're being falsely accused of preaching the truth. Not a watered down word. Come on now. Not a word that is user friendly. Yes, I said it. Uh, the gospel has never been user friendly. Uh, Jesus never preached the word because he loved you so much that he wanted you to have a pity party he looked at the rich man and he said if you want to follow me then go sell all that you have but if you're not willing to sell all that you have then you're not ready to follow me come on now you got to be able to deny yourself when you preach the gospel you got to be able to carry a cross when you preach the gospel you got to be able to follow in the footsteps of a suffering savior who died on the cross because he preached the truth. Come on now. Come on, when we look at everybody, our forefathers that have gone before us. Come on now. Mecca Evers, he preached the truth. Come on now. Martin Luther King, he preached the truth. Come on now. Come on now. Come on, when you look at life, when you're speaking the truth, you won't have many people who sit in your corner. You may have the 5,000, but that's probably all you're going to have. But you're going to have more opposers sometimes than you have in the crowd. But then sometimes your crowd can be big and you can have two or three opposers. And if you're not focused, you'll start preaching to them instead of winning those that are ready to be saved. Come on. I learned how to not give in to the threats. I remember and I understand that I have an audience. Come on now. I'm learning how to do certain things in my life 
by not aborting the process of being accused. When given the opportunity, I stand my ground by preaching the truth. I stand my ground by not giving way to the threats. And then number six, here I want you to understand, remain firm in preaching the unadulterated gospel. Before I get there, I want to read Acts 4, 15 and 18. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them. Did you hear this? We can't deny it, Gwen. But so that it doesn't spread any further. <laughs> So that it doesn't spread any further, uh, uh, let us come up with a solution. Let us warn them uh, to speak no longer to any man in this name. The devil is a lie. Come on now. And then they say, and if they had summoned them, they commanded. And when they had summoned them, they brought them back in. See, they had a meeting before the meeting. Come on out. We, we all going to agree that we're going to put him out. We, we all agree that, that what he's preaching is wrong. We, we all agree that, 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 that we can see that miracles are taking place. Uh, uh, we can all agree that we got a house full of people that have been changed. Uh, we can all agree that the offerings are good. We can all agree that the preacher ain't cheating on his wife. He ain't stealing the money. Uh, he ain't driving the best car. But we can agree that the power of God is on his life and miracles are taking place in his life. Marriages are strong again. Children are going to college. Men are no longer in jail. Come on now. Uh, we've got businesses like we've never had before, but we can agree that we cannot allow this to spread because we don't like the preaching. Woo! Come on, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. Uh, we can agree that a miracle has taken place because the people in Jerusalem have all seen it happen and they believe, but we don't believe. Because we don't want this type of gospel. We don't want this type of move. We don't want it and we don't want it. But he's saying here in the word, we have summoned them. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Are y'all hearing this? Do you see this? We have lived this out in our families. Come on now. They know you're telling the truth. Come on now. They know you're not lying, but they can understand that your truth is going to do what? It's going to win people to Christ, and we don't want them to get to Christ that way. Come on now. We don't want them to go that way because we're still holding on to tradition. We're still holding on to history. We're still holding on to stuff that is not working anymore. Come on now. When Jesus died on the cross, he stopped all of what you used to do and he gave us a new power a power that we didn't have to toil for a power that we didn't have to sacrifice for all we have to do is stand wait and be empowered to preach a word that is going to save people like never before come on preaching 
The gospel of Jesus Christ will cause you to lose friends, not gain friends. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ will cause people to cross your name off of the calendar uh, before they heard you preach. Come on now. Preaching will cause the preachers to go in the back room and say, no, man, he's going to mess up the fun tonight. Uh, uh, don't invite him uh, because he's going to change my church and he's going to cause people to really want me to preach the gospel. When we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, it should convict the lives of those that we're preaching to. Come on. Six, I stand my ground by remaining firm in preaching the unadulterated gospel. We don't water down the gospel. We don't give the gospel if ands buts. The gospel is what it is. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the light. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Come on now. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Uh, if you love me, then you will pick up your cross. If you say that you want to follow me, then you will deny yourself. Uh, if you say that I am your Savior, then you will take examination of your soul and allow this word to convict you in such a way that you will confess and believe in your heart that I died on the cross. I didn't just die to just die, but I died so that you might have life more abundantly and so that you will now become the greatest preacher to preach the message of Jesus Christ. Preaching the unadulterated gospel. Remain firm in your stance and continue to believe that God has filled you with the Holy Spirit and empowered you with the authority to preach. I believe that you're listening. Come on now. That's the move of God. Give us doves eyes. Eyes that'll keep us focused. Eyes that'll keep you focused on what God has called you to do. Come on. I don't want to move from this place. I want to see, I want to hear. And know that you're right here, right now. That you're here. Come on. They could have walked away. They could have decided. Okay. That's what y'all saying. I'm afraid they're going to take my house. I'm, a, I'm afraid they're going to shut this building down. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, a, I'm afraid. Preaching. But they tell us now in the pulpit, you got to be careful because you don't want to offend nobody. Well, I can see that they offended the leaders here. I can see that there was an offense right here. And God did not honor their offense. He did not give Peter and John the excuse not to preach. He said, I've empowered you with the Holy Ghost. So whatever happens to you, believe and understand that I've empowered you with the Holy Ghost to endure whatever comes upon you. Uh, I'm not saying go out here and preach a word that is stupid and awful. But when you really preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you're 
your life is a true reflection of who Jesus is, you're going to make an offense and you're going to cause people to be offended. You're, you're going to cause people to be uncomfortable. Now we want church to be comfortable. Now we want to just cause church to be a pretty party where church hurt and all of the other foolishness that we talk about. You're hurting. You don't go to church, but how are you being healed? Come on now. I'm hurt about church. I've been broken about church, but you won't come to church and allow God's Holy Ghost and allow the power of God to restore your life. I've been bruised. Come on now. I've been wounded. I've been mistreated, but you're staying at home in your pity party. The word of God convicts that as well. You've got to get up off of your bed and get out of that gate called beautiful and begin to praise the Lord. God didn't mean for you to sit there and just die at the gate. He didn't leave you here to just sit there and complain about what they did and how they treated you. Stand up and proclaim the truth. God is with you. You've been empowered and filled with the Holy Ghost. So no matter what you're going through, remember that Jesus is with you. Remember that he's moving at the sound of your voice. He's giving you dove's eyes. So stay right there. Cry right there. Hurt right there. Go through right there. But preach. Tell the truth. And stand and believe that God will never fail you, never leave you. But Peter and John answered and said to them as I close here whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God be the judge he said you be the judge come on now that's what he said to them you be the judge. Come on now. Uh, you, you be the judge. Come on now. Uh, be the judge of that which you want to say is not true. Come on now. You be the judge. Come on now. Be the judge. Come on now. Be the judge. Peter and John answered and said to them, answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking. Come on now. About what we have seen and heard. Did y'all hear what I said? No matter what they tell you, don't you go out of here talking about God has been good to you. I want you to keep your mouth closed. You better not tell nobody that I gave you a brand new car when you were in the middle of a bankruptcy and you lost your house. You better keep your mouth shut when your flesh tries to tell you to be quiet when your mind tries to tell you you better not celebrate you got to be able to speak like Peter and John said for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard verse 21 when they had when they had threatened them further they let them go finding no basis on which to punish them on the account of the people. Brittany, they won't convict you on the account of those who believe in you. Oh, that, that, that's why you can't give attention to your opposers because those who are standing in the audience are fighting for you. Come on now. Uh, uh, they're fighting for you. They believe in you. They want to hear what you have to say. 
on the account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Come on, stand on your feet. Come on, I, I like this today. Come on. I need you to understand that God has spoken something in your life. And God wants you to, to step out and to do this. But you can't give attention to those who are opposing you. You can't give your attention and abort the process of being accused. You got to remember that you have an audience. You, you, you got to remember that God is with you. you. You can't succumb to the, or give way to their threats. You, you got to remain firm. We, we have to remain firm in preaching a gospel that wins people to fight for us. That wins people that will stand when the word of God is being misappropriated. They'll be able to defend that the word of God is true. When leaders come to shut us down, when people come to shut us down and silence us, fuel momentum with a series of wins will cause us to win the 5,000. It'll cause us to win the 5, the 50, the 150. Come on, it'll cause us to win because we understand that God is on my side and I've been empowered to preach this gospel. This gospel is not free. Your salvation is not free. The empowering of the Holy Ghost is not free. Neither of these have a monetary value that is attached to it. It doesn't have material value that is attached to it. What it has attached to it is willing and available vessels that are willing to be used at all costs. Come on now. The cost of being accused, the cost of being ostracized, the cost of being hurt and wounded, misunderstood, come on now, uh, perceived in the wrong way, come on now, uh, rejected, come on now. It says that Jesus, he became the rejected one, the cheap cornerstone that, that you rejected. Come on now. Preaching that causes you and I to not stop. I want you to lift your hands and say, I can't stop now. Come on, say, we can't stop now. I know that it seems difficult in your life, but don't stop now. Come on now. You, you've overcome some things in your life. Don't stop now and go back to what seems comfortable. Come on now. Stay in the fire. Stay in the water. Come on now. Stay in the cage. Come on now. Stay on the trial floor. Come on now. Sit before your judge. Come on now. Sit before your accusers. And when they speak, come on now. And when they come up with the plan to silence you, when the plan comes to silence, 
silence that you're going to lose your home when the plan comes to silence that sickness is going to take your life you got to stand there and look sickness in straight in the face and say I believe the report of the Lord I shall live and not die he's already sent his word to heal my disease come on now when it's not going right in your life I believe that God will supply all of my need according to his riches in glory come on now I believe come on now when it gets hard I believe oh that he's going to become what a banner when the enemy comes in like a flood he will lift up a banner he'll become my protector he'll be my provision when I need food to eat and I don't see where it's coming from he will provide everything that I need in my life so stand now and speak to the mountain and command that the mountain be moved into the sea all you need is a little faith the size of a mustard seed the size of a mustard seed to the point that you can't even hold it in your hand that's all the faith that you need just stand and say I can't stop now I gotta keep running I gotta keep walking I gotta keep believing I gotta keep praising I gotta keep trusting I gotta keep depending my confidence is in you I believe the report of the Lord that I will see the goodness of the Lord take place in my life shout hallelujah Shout hallelujah, shout glory, shout glory, shout glory, shout glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll see it on this side of heaven. Come on now, it's going to happen for me. It's got to happen for me. Why? Because I believe, I believe I believe the report of the Lord. Come on, say it. Come on, say it. Come on. Living life free. Yes, Lord. Come on, say it. Father, I don't want to just live only because of you. I want to live through you because you're in me. So, Father, I give you my life. I believe today everything that I heard. Save me. Fill me. I repent of my sins. I repent of all of my wrongdoing. Fill me. I want to walk in the grace that allows me to preach to others. In Jesus' name, I love you. 
Happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. Remember, a father is just not a leader, a provider, a protector, but a father is one who loves God, and he loves God by leading, caring, providing, persevering, and taking care of what God has put in your hands. We are the Rock Church. It's the place where your life matters. Jesus matters and worship matters all the time. I want you to sow a seed today. I want you to sow that $22 seed. If you didn't have a chance to sow it on Pentecost, I want you to sow it today. Whatever the Lord puts in your heart, I want you to sow a seed that says, I won't stop now. I believe that God has empowered me to do the work of the kingdom. This is my prayer. May the blessing of the Lord rest upon you. In Jesus' name, peace to the family, peace to the bishop, and peace to us all. May the Lord God bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon each and every one of us. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. God bless you.